Welcome to today's audio podcast from the Church at Bushland. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of the Church at Bushland and would like to enjoy more resources and weekly updates, we hope you will visit our website at thechurchatbushland.com or download our app for both iOS and Android devices by searching for The Church at Bushland. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. Please take a moment to let us know by emailing us at media at thechurchatbushland.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by visiting thechurchatbushland.com slash give. Well, church, good to see you. Love you, love you. So we are uh, continuing our Psalms, um, Psalms of Summer. Got this one and one more. Uh, today, I, wanna, I want you to go to Psalm 84. If you have your Bible, beautiful, jump in it. If you have your phone or whatever you use, jump into that. I want to read Psalm 84 to you. Then we've got to answer some questions and build some background to really understand Psalm 84. Uh, you may have read 84 before, thought it was kind of cool and sweet. But I think after you understand who really penned it and their backstory, it'll change everything. So I want you to go to your word uh, and follow with me Psalm 84. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord Almighty. My soul yearns and even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home. And the swallow a nest for herself and where she may have her young. A place near you, near your altar. O Lord Almighty, my King and my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house. For they are ever praising you. Blessed are those whose strength is in you. Who have set their hearts on the pilgrimage. They pass through the valley of Baca. And they make it a place of springs. And the autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from, from strength to strength. Till each appear before the God in Zion. Hear my prayer, O Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, O God of Jacob. Look upon your shield, O God. Look with favor on your anointed one. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. And I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield, and the Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. O Lord Almighty, blessed is the man who trusts in you. Beautiful psalm. I want you to look at verse 10 couple of questions attached to that that we've got to answer better is one day in your courts hmm, than a thousand elsewhere i would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my god than to dwell in the tents of the wicked you're like what's the emphasis what's so important I think we've got to answer a couple of questions. Number one is simply this. Who said it? And why'd they say it? Who said it? And why'd they say it? 
Well, number one, the who is the sons of Korah. The sons of Korah have penned a couple of the Psalms. 42 is one of them. 84 is another. The sons of Korah are very important people. So you wonder, why did the sons of Korah pin that verse? Why did, some, why did the sons of Korah pin Psalm 84? Well, let's find out why. You see, there's 12 descendants of Jacob. Jacob later has his name changed by God to Israel. So we have the 12 tribes of Israel. Korah and his family make up one of those tribes of Israel. Aaron and his family make up another tribe of Israel. The tribes have responsibility at this time to take care of the temple. The temple is a long rectangular place, worship place, temple of God. And all around this temple, either sides, are tents. We're not talking Gander Mountain tents. You can go ahead and understand that, okay? This ain't your two-man tent, snuggle up, and cozy thing. These are tents. A lot of folks under these tents. And they're all around the temple. These tribes under these tents have responsibilities. To what? To the temple. Each tribe, their own responsibility. Each duties. They have each individual duties. Aaron and his sons... Their responsibility is to take care of the inner courts. We know it as the Holy of Holies. It, it, it's kind of the one that gets all the attention. Okay? And then Korah and his sons, they take care of the outer courts. Basically the courtyards. Okay? They might include, not an exhaustive list, but some of the things they include, the outer perimeter. Okay? The outer perimeter. They're also in charge of the gatekeeper. Basically, today it would be like security. Okay? They also have the responsibility in the foyer, so to speak. Uh, some of you walk in and supernaturally coffee appears in those pots. <laughs> and you're thankful for that. But that didn't fall from heaven. Okay? Somebody did that. Serves in that facet. So that you're more pleasant in worship, right? <laughs> and we all can't worship enough for that, right? They're in charge of food. They're in charge of what is known as showbread. I don't have time to go into that, but they're in charge of that as well. None of these responsibilities that Korah and his sons have are as glamorous necessarily as Aaron's sons. So, man being what man is, time passes. Much time. And Korah, he gets a little more and more envious and jealous of Aaron and his sons as the days go by. Well, when you don't like something that's going on, one of the very important things that you have to do, and you may have seen this before in churches, is you better get ready to build the camp. You better find some people of like mind. So Korah begins to build a camp of complaints. It's known in Scripture as the rebellion of Korah. 
If you're looking for some good afternoon reading after the golf tournament, or if you're not a golfer, Numbers chapter 16, verses 25 through 34. And if your kids think the Bible's boring, that's a good read. They won't after that, all right? If you want to show them that story, the rebellion of Korah, go to that one. So Korah's got some members in his camp. His members include, number one, obviously him, okay? But I want you to note something in your Bible, not his sons. Korah, but not his sons. A guy by the name of Dathan, his whole entire family. A guy by the name of Abram and his whole entire family. Many others. Scripture tells us in Numbers that the number is somewhere around 250. It's a pretty good, pretty good camp. So here's the deal. Korah had enough. He decides he's going to take his complaint to the big chief. The big chief at this time is a guy by the name of Moses. Hmm. Let me see where we're headed. Moses Chosen by God, anointed by God to lead these people. He is the one that Korah decides to go and say, this responsibility that you have divided up, we don't like anymore. So Moses, being the wise man that he is, says, so you have this complaint that you, you, you've been done wrong. You got the bad deal here. That's right. That's right. Well, let's just ask God. That is a wonderful response from anyone. So if your kids come to you as teenagers and ask you a question, you look at them and say, well, we'll just ask God. And they'll probably turn around and go, they're just fine without that. Amen? <laughs> I mean, because sometimes you kind of know going in, don't you? You're just going to see what happens. So they say, well, we'll just ask God. So here's the deal. We're going to ask God if he thinks that we need to rearrange this thing because what you're doing isn't, isn't good. And so, if you die of natural causes, you die of natural causes. Just, you know. But, 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 if, but if you're right, I mean, if you're wrong and, and we've got, if I've got it wrong, then, then what's going to happen to you and your little camp is, if we've got it wrong, if we're doing you wrong, uh, then, then the ground is going to open up and it's going to swallow you and all these other tents that are in your camp. And Cora, being a pretty confident guy at this point, says, bring it. I'm good. So they ask God. I love Moses. He says, uh, Y'all might want to start, step back. There's something about to happen. And Korah, very confident with Dathan and his other, his other hombres, they're standing there. Now remember, it's Korah, but it is not his sons. That's very important. His sons are standing front row. And all of a sudden, the ground opens up. And they're gone. It swallows every one of them. Leaves a couple of hombres out who are burning incense. And God says, oh, missed a couple. 
<laughs> well, they're incense now. <laughs> and they're gone. It's burned them up. Read your Bible. It's a cool thing. Bible's not boring. It's what it says. They're burning the incense, they become incense. That's the way it works. I'm telling you right now, it says first service. I miss the Old Testament. Nightly news would be a lot better with the Old Testament. I mean, ratings would be a lot better at 5.30. Just telling you. Good Morning America would be a great show. But, <laughs> I'm sorry. That would just be some funny stuff today. Amen? I don't want to get lost in that. But, but they, they're gone. And Korah sons who served the same duties in the courts were standing there with the rest of Israel that didn't get swallowed up or burned up. And they had front row seats to this. And now you know the rest of the story. When you look at Psalm 84 in light of that text, it changes that thing. It's not sweet anymore. I mean, it's sweet, but it's like, whoo. When they say it's good to be in the courts, it's good to be in the courts. So I want you to look at Psalm 84 again. We're going to take a couple of verses and see what it says to us. Verse 1. And remember who's, who's penned this. The front row seat, folks. <laughs> Chorus sons write this. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints, mm, mm -mm, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. How lovely is your church. How lovely is your temple. How lovely are the courts of the Lord. How lovely are they. The church, the house of God, the house of worship, the house of prayer. Mm. A place where God's glory is put on display. I'm going to tell you right now, in the middle of worship today, you're like, oh my gosh, this is the best place in the world. Amen. The church, a living church, where the presence and the power and the spirit and the glory of God is put on display. Ain't nothing like it, man. Nothing like it. We live in a day and time where we've, you know, it's funny in our country, sometimes even in our churches, pendulums swing. And want to get way over here, and we're like, yeah, we need to swing it a little bit more over here. And then we swing it over there, and we go, oh, Lord, help. That's too big of a swing. We've got to find the middle. We swing it back. We've gotten to the point over the several decades of saying that, you know, you don't have to go to church to go to heaven. You're right. Well, then I won't go. Listen to me. I know you don't have to go to church to go to heaven. But I'm going to tell you something. If you're going to heaven, you probably want to go to church. 
Because you're going to do in heaven what they do in church. And so if you're in on it, then get in on it. And you can't go do that at the coffee shop. You say, well, I've had church in the coffee shop with some buddies. I have too. But I was in church the next Sunday morning. You can't, you cannot replace corporate, intimate worship with other believers. You cannot, you cannot duplicate it. You can't do what this does. The dynamic in here, that you can't do, that just, there's no other way to create that. You gotta have it. Do not forsake the assembly together. Do not. You, you're not as rich if you're not in it. You're not. The greatest gift, greatest gift you will ever give yourself and your family is a church home. I pro, I, mm, somebody's like, I, I, I need to see you after church. I'll be available. I'm telling you, I'm, I promise you, the greatest gift you will give yourself and your family is a church home. There is nothing like it. Nothing like it. And if you found it, you die for it. I mean, you walk out on I-40 for it. The greatest gift. Listen to the sons of Korah who just watched their dad get smoked. I mean, smoked him. And you know what they pinned first? Mm, how lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord our God, my. <laughs> All of a sudden, if they have to pick weeds in the outer courts of the temple, they're good. I'll get gum off the asphalt. I just got to be near his house. I just got to be in his house. Oh, Lord, help. We need a little more New Testament. Amen? Boop. Yeah, them boys became incense. I mean... I'm telling you, the church is a gorgeous thing. You can see some messed up stuff in church. But that doesn't mean God's messed up. So you don't look at the messed up stuff. You look at the God who's not messed up. And pray messed up, get unmessed up. All right? Number two, a verse two. My, my soul yearns and even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. What you see there is a passion, passion for his presence, for the church. It should be your family's DNA. I tell my married couples that I premarital counsel, some of them are here, and they'll tell you. One of the most important things you do is you decide before you have children that church is important. So before you ever have a baby, you're going to church. And that kid's grown up in a, in a home where the question of, are we going to church tomorrow? Is never asked. Because if you wait till they're 10 or 11 or 12 to surprise them with that question, it ain't going well. It's not going to go good, I promise you. Let it be your DNA of your family. That Saturday night, you go to bed. Why? 
Because the next morning we're going to the house of the Lord. You don't have to ask, are we going to church? We go to church. You say, well, church don't make people perfect. Nope. McDonald's don't make people french fries. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you, I take my chances with church. I got fingerprints all over me from church, and they're good ones. I said this earlier. The church is what he's coming back for, period. If it's worthy of his return, it's worthy of your faithfulness. <laughs> mm. If it's worthy of Calvary and his return, it's worthy of you and being faithful. I want you to skip to verses 10, 11, and 12. We sing it just before I walked up. Many of you have sung this song. You'll sing it different now that you know the story. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. Man. Mm. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the what? The tents of whom? The wicked. Can you help me? with what just happened to the tents of the wicked? <laughs> That's what you heard. The tents of the wicked just got swallowed up by God. And those who didn't get in the hole got smoked by the same God. These boys say, oh, better is one day in your courts. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than to dwell in them tents. Come on. I'd rather, I'd rather do the little stuff at church, the stuff nobody notices, but to be in the presence and to be at my church, good enough for me. Mm. Church needs you. God needs you. We're a really good church. We're a strong church. We're a healthy church. But we got needs, man. We got needs. We're an interesting church. Because at least half, if not a little more than half our people that are, quote, members of this church drive from Amarillo Canyon, Umbarger, or other places. That's quite commitment. But we have people that, we have areas that we need people to serve, man. And it makes Sunday night and Wednesday night sometimes hard because people do have to work. Well, maybe if that's you, Sunday morning is your deal. I pray you jump in. He said, well, Jeff, I'm, I'm not the guy that's the most friendly looking dude when you see me. I don't smile naturally. I, people kind of think I'm mean and ugly until they meet me, and then I'm just a big teddy bear. I said, well, that's what I thought. So, so that might not be your deal. So you might not want to greet, just in case we want that family to come in. <laughs> just saying. Because I've walked up to people, and I'm like, I don't even know if I want to go in there because I don't know if that other guy came out, you know? <laughs> so, so that might not be you. Then guess what that face is for? Security. 
Come on. Dude, if you don't like to smile, I can make, oh, I've got a place for you. See that corner over there? That corner over there? That, that's, oh, yeah, back up. Don't, they come from the north sometimes. Over here, I got your spot. I'm not friendly. Good. I don't want you to be friendly to them. I got a spot for you. Or you might be bubbly and, and you like to talk to everybody. Well, I got a spot for you. You can greet. You can help people find a place to sit. You can make them feel like they're the greatest thing since sliced bread and peanut butter, and I'm all about that. You might love children or preschool kids. I'm going to tell you, Melissa Huffman could use you. Ooh, my goodness, he could use you. We'll be over 70 in that preschool in the fall. Mm. Mark could use you big time. See, Mark's area of ministry, it has to rotate pretty often, if you know what I mean. You can only do 10-year-old boys for so long. <laughs> Just saying. And then we need to re-up. So you're like, tap out. I, I, I'm out, dude. They're killing me. All right, I'm good. All right, hey, give me a couple months. I, I heal up. Doctor gives me pass. I'll, I'll go back in. <laughs> You know what I mean? I mean? It's not that bad. I'm sorry. But you know what I mean? I mean, 10-year-old boys are 10-year-old, right? Hmm. So, so we got to have people serving. Got to have them serving. There's a board back there that says yes. Got a whole bunch of tags on it. Tells you everything about it. I want to see a whole lot more wood and a lot less tags. We got a great staff. But one of the problems with a great staff is you don't think you need the church. Church says, ah, my staff's awesome. They can do it. You're going to kill my boys if you don't help them. And I'm pretty partial to them. We got to have you. There are no insignificant roles in the kingdom of God. There are none. There are none. Verse 11. For the Lord is the sun and the shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk. Is blameless. Don't you see something? Cora's sons, they don't jump on the camp with dad. Mm, that's a big step, boy. That's big. Their walk in God's eyes is blameless. They choose the high road, they don't enter the camp, they don't participate, they're not in. When Cora's building his posse, his boys aren't in that. And when that ground opens up and swallows them up, and dad's in there, guess what they got? They got favor. They wasn't consumed. Just because you didn't grow up seeing it, the right way. Just because you grew up, maybe saw a bad commercial, doesn't mean you had to repeat it. It doesn't. Mm. I watched. Mm. I watched from the front row. I had a front row seat as a kid. I watched my father 
decide that you can make a lot of money five days a week. You can make a little bit more on Saturday. And you can make even more if you work on Sunday. Yeah, you can. And then one day, the ground opened up and swallowed up my tent. And my parents divorced, and my family's never been the same since. And my sister's a wreck to this day. Mm. The favor of the Lord and living blameless. Good thing. It's a good thing. We uh, recently put together, or we're in the process of putting together playground equipment back there. I had some deacons working back there one fri- a couple weeks ago on a Friday afternoon. They were pouring some concrete. They sent me a picture. There's a picture of a young man in our church. I don't know how old he is. I know his family. They're here today. He's probably 10, 12, 14. I don't know how old he is. He rode his bike up to the church, helped them boys pour concrete, 101 degrees. He's on summer break. He could have been sitting at home eating Cheetos and playing a video game. He rode his bike to the church, helped with concrete. Let me tell you how God works. Be some little kids out there in a couple of years playing on that playground equipment. Same concrete he poured. Little boy go home and tell his mama how much he loves church. She'll say to her husband, we need to go to church. He loves church. She's in on it. He's not so much. Years go by. Kid grows up. Family grows up. Gospel's preached. Dad says, wow. If I remember going to lead my family to Christ, I better come to Christ. He walks around and gives his life to Christ. Changes a family and a generation forever. Why? Because one Friday afternoon when it was 101 degrees, a 12-year-old boy decided a video game and AC and Cheetos is not more important than going and helping some deacons pour some concrete for a playground. That's how it works. Kingdom's so much bigger than us. There's no insignificant jobs. Cora's sons took care of the outer courts. Pulling weeds, opening doors. Dad got jealous, wanted to stand on the stage, wanted inside. Find what you can do for the kingdom and do it. No insignificant places and parts for it at all. And I'll end with verse 12. O Lord Almighty, blesses the man who trusts in you. Blessed is the man who trusts in you. Listen how he ended. Blessed is the man who trusts in you. The on time God. Just keep trusting. I want to say this as your senior pastor, as a man called to be your pastor and your shepherd. You're what scripture calls my sheep. I will give an account of how I shepherd my sheep. You might think you want my seat in my spot. You probably don't. 
I sometimes have a front row seat of wonderful, beautiful, gorgeous families who find themselves in trouble. Whether it's with their children, whether it's individually as mom and dad, or whether it's a couple in their marriage. And what really breaks my heart is when I see those families run to the world instead of running to the church. The world is camouflaged death. And do not think it's changing because you're hatched. It looks fun. It looks like that's where you ought to go. But they'll kill you. They'll kill you. And you say, I can't come to the church. I'm embarrassed. I don't know what they'll say about me, about my marriage. If you can't run to your church, you need a new church. I'm going to say this, and I'm going to talk about life groups in a couple of weeks, but if you can't run to your life group, you need a new life group. Or you're going to be the changing agent in your life group to take your life group to where God wants it to be. Because if your life group gathers... And you can't get sloppy, nasty, and snotty. You're in trouble. And if you've got a couple, a family in your life group in trouble, and they're beginning to run away from the church, and they run to you, you better be all the church to them that they can even. I mean, they, I mean you've got to be the church. And you've got to nudge them into the big church. Because I'm not promise you, there are tons of couples and families that are watching you. And if you'll run to the healer, they'll run to the healer. If you hide, they'll hide. Don't run to the world. It's death. If you run the church, it's life. If it wasn't for the rebellion, the sons of Korah would best be known for their faithful service and commitment to God for many centuries. Colossians 3.23 says this, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. Whatever you do in the church, whatever you do, work at it as working for the Lord. If you're going to give anything, if you're going to give anything your best, may it be the church. There's a lot of things that want you. Serve here, serve here, do here, go here, be in this, participate in this, join this, sacrifice for this. But if you're going to give anything on the face of the earth your best, Let it be the church. Let it be the church.
So I ask you today, church, is the church that's worthy of his return getting your best? The sons of Korah have front row seat to their dad. Their dad chunked it in. And after they saw what happened, the sons of Korah said, Man, I long for the courts of the Lord. I long for the dwelling place of the church. Give church your best. And I can promise you this, and I'll give you money back if you need it. You'll never be disappointed. Never. Never, ever. There was a commercial back in the 90s about Michael Jordan. It said, be like Mike. Remember that one? I'll say you this. You want to be like the sons of Korah? Not like Korah. You want to be like the sons of Korah? Be like the sons of Korah. Be like the sons of Korah. I'm going to ask you to stand, church. Better is one day. Better is one day. Mm. Better is one day in my courts than a thousand elsewhere. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than in the tents of the wicked. Whoo! Does your church get your best? Does it? May it be said of you that my church got the best of me. Give everything you got to your church. You'll never be disappointed. Never. Never. Let me pray over us. If you need to come for anything, maybe you need to, maybe you know today, there's my church home. Come. Come join. Maybe today you need prayer. You come. Whatever the case, you come. Father, we love you. We love you, we love you, we love you. The cry of the sons of Korah, the cry of us. We love your courts. We love your church. And I pray that the Holy Spirit will drive what the Holy Spirit wanted said today home. That God, we'd be a people to give our church the best. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from the church at Bushland. We exist to help people know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We hope you will stay connected by following the ministry on Facebook and Instagram, by using the church at Bushland, and on Twitter by using at TCA Bushland. 